0: time downstairs. Thanks for making that sound adjustment. I sound a little better. <clears throat> for those of us who remain, we'll go to the book of Genesis, chapter 26. Starting in verse 1, Genesis 26, starting in verse 1, it says, a severe famine now struck the land as had happened before in Abraham's time. So this was not the first time this happened. Happened before in Abraham's time. So Isaac moved to Gerar, where Abimelech, king of the Philistines, lived. The Lord appears to Isaac, and what does he say? He says, do not go down to Egypt, but do as I tell you. Live here as a foreigner in this land. And I will be with you and bless you. I hereby confirm that I will give all these lands to you and your descendants, just as I solemnly promised Abraham, your father. I will cause your descendants to become as numerous as the stars of the sky, and I will give them all these lands. And through your descendants, all nations of the earth will be blessed. I will do this because Abraham listened to me and obeyed all my requirements, commands, decrees, and instructions. So Isaac stayed In Gorah. Today I want to preach on this topic silence in your circumstance. Silence in your circumstance. Lord Jesus, we are so honored to be in your presence. God, I pray that you would draw all of us deeper to a deeper place of relationship, commitment, consecration. Lord, if someone's a first-time guest in person online or if someone has been here really for 40 years, God, I pray that you would just talk to all of us, that you would draw us all closer, that you would speak to all of us, God. We will, we I, I believe all of us We want to know you. We want to grow in our relationship, not only knowledge about you, but relationship with you. So Jesus, help me to to really not get in the way of what you want to do here today, that your word and you would speak through me. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. So Isaac, we're reading this story about Isaac, just be, just like his father before him, Isaac went through a famine, Abraham went through a famine, Isaac goes through a famine. It appears that Isaac was getting ready to head down to Egypt, you know, Egypt was along the Nile River, so even in a famine, if you wanted food, probably the best place that you could go would be to go to Egypt, right along the Nile, there's going to be some water there, uh, and so, hey, let's, let's, let's go down there, let's try and get the food there, because our, our Our human mind, when the famine comes, our human mind says, Avoid the famine. Avoid discomfort. Isn't that amazing? We have incredible self preservation skills. This human flesh that we live in. We do not like to be hungry. We don't like to be tired. And we certainly don't want to be a combination of those two things. Our human mind says, no, I want to, when the going gets tough, I want to look for whatever's easiest. And so Isaac appears to decide that, you know, I'm going to go down to Egypt. My family and I, will probably going to get better eaten over there. And so God appears to Isaac and speaks clearly to him, very clearly. He says, do not go to Egypt. Now, I know for us, we might say, well, then you don't go, but If we're in his spot, we might be going, yeah, but there's food there. Yeah, but this is going to, I'm going to be more successful over there. So it only makes sense to go ahead and go. But God says, do not go. So what would we do? I hope we'd all go. I'm not going. Well, God apparently puts Isaac to the test, like he occasionally did with his daddy, Abraham. And he, he, God recommits his covenant to Isaac And he tells Isaac that, hey, I I haven't forgotten you because of your dad, because of what he did. Apparently, though, he says, you're going to stay here. And his blessing, his covenant, God responding, God blessing, God doing these things, appears to be contingent on Isaac passing a test. Kind of like his dad. A test. I wonder if Isaac, you know, said, man, I remember I remember laying on that altar. I remember my dad raising up a knife. I remember looking up going, what is going on right now? But then I remember that there was a ram in the thicket. Then I remember that God delivered me. Then I remember. And so I'm wondering if any of this is running through his mind as he's going, all right, God's calling me to do something that doesn't make a lick of sense to me, but... I think I'm going to go with what God says to do. A test of staying in a famine rather than moving to where it's plenteous. It required trusting God rather than relying on common sense and reason. Isaac needed to trust God in a famine. God was calling Isaac to grow where he's planted, but that's not necessarily what we do when things don't go well, especially in the society in which we live. Oh, a friend makes you unhappy, just go find a new friend. You're not happy at your job, just go apply for another one, quit that one. Church doesn't make you happy, just go jump to a different one. There's another one down the road. This is our mentality of the 21st century way of life. But God says, no, 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 Isaac, I want you to grow where you're planted. I want you to stay right there. And so the passage that we just opened, our opening passage, ends with some very key words when it says, Isaac stayed in Gerar, which I would make the argument based on that passage if he said, you know what, I'm just going to go down anyway, we would not be celebrating Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. It would just be Abraham, and then Isaac would have messed things up. And Isaac did not just stay in Gerar, though. He decides, I'm going to start to plant seed in the ground. Now, that doesn't make any sense. It didn't make sense to stay. It certainly doesn't make sense to plant seed. Uh, Isaac, did you know we're in the middle of a famine? This guy's out here working the farmer's field, putting seed in the ground. Isaac, um, we're in a famine. You throw seed in the ground, it's just going to die. What are you doing? Well... Here's the thing. Why would someone do that? Well, someone's going to do that when they heard from God. Someone's going to do that when they walk by faith and not by sight. Someone's going to do that when God speaks and they say, you know what, I'm going to follow his will and his way even when it doesn't make any sense. And look what happens when he puts those crops down in the ground. He put that seed down in the ground in a famine. Genesis 26:12 says, when Isaac planted his crops that year, He harvested a hundred times more grain than he planted. Why? Because he was an excellent farmer. Why? Because he got the one piece of good ground in the land. Why? Because he had an in-ground sprinkler system. No, no, no. He didn't have none of that. Why? Because the Lord blessed him. I think sometimes, yes, we need to... Get off the couch and go to work and try and do things and try and harvest and try and plant seed in the ground. But ultimately, we have to understand that whether we rise up or sit down, it is all in the hands of God. God is the one, Scripture tells us, who rises up, who sits down. God is the one who calls and anoints and, and blesses. And, and so it's up to us to respond to that. But we, we don't, we're not the ones that can just create our own blessing. He became a very rich man and his wealth continued to grow. He acquired so many flocks of sheep and goats and herds of cattle and servants that the Philistines became jealous of him. Isn't that just interesting? Hey, I know things are tough right now. I want you to stay right where you're at. Yeah, but I'm in the middle of a famine. If I go down to the Nile, if I go to Egypt, at least I got a chance of getting some food for me and my family. Hey, your chance is not being by the Nile. Your chance is not growing to fertile soil. Your chance is trusting me. And I'm your God, and like I was for your dad, you got to stay right where you are, and let's see if you'll allow me to bless you. And so he says, well, I'm going to stay here. I'm going to put the, 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 the seed in the ground. And God said, watch now. I'm going to bless you not only with the crops. I'm going to bless you with flocks of sheep, goats, herds, herds of cattle. I'm, I'm going to make it so that even unbelievers around you look at you and go, this ain't fair. Hundred times more than he planted. Why? Because he trusted God, he obeyed his voice. Our situation will never supersede God's power to provide. I want you to hear that. And again, statements like that, they don't mean a whole lot to the people that are sitting here. They're doing fine right now. When things are going well, you probably can't even repeat what I just said. But for the people who there's a little bit of a famine, there's a little bit of a struggle, you might be typing that thing out, writing that thing going. I hope he repeats it one more time. Because you cling to a word from God when you're in a famine. And so for those people, I'll repeat it. It is our situation will never supersede God's power to provide. It was... Then that Isaac starts to move around the area a little bit. And since he was so blessed, he's got sheep and goats and herds of cattle. And like the passage, passage just said, and he starts trying to find good watering holes, which is going to be tough at times, right? And places for his animals to graze in the after effects of a famine. And so this chapter tells us about every time he found a place, the men of Gerar would show up and they'd fight with him over that watering space. And so he would just pack up and he'd go to the next place. He wasn't trying to make waves or cause problems. I know for us, you know, that American mindset, you're like, oh, I wouldn't have packed up. I would have stood right there. Well, he was like, you know what? I'm in a foreign land. I'm gonna go ahead and just move, keep the peace. I'm gonna move to the next place. And so he'd do that in the next area. It would happen again. And so he gather up the crops and, the, and, and all the people, okay, we got to try and find another place. And, and he just kept moving. And this continued until they found a place that there was, a, there was not a fight over. You can imagine how he may have felt because, all right, God, I stayed here. I see the blessing. It seems like things are going pretty well. But sometimes, even after God speaks to us, everything seems to feel like a battle. I mean, you'd like to think like, well, God spoke. Let's just do this. God speaks, I obey, blessings get poured out and it's free sailing from here. But you see, sometimes God speaks. Sometimes the blessing does and does not come for a while. Sometimes the blessing doesn't come like you think it will come or in the way that you could measure it yourself or in the time or season that you think. For him, it appears like, hey, stay here. He puts the seed in the ground. The crops blow up. Wow, a 100 times more. Got the cattle, got the herds. It seems, based on what I'm reading, he was blessed pretty quick. But then the battle, then the fighting starts. Then it's one place to the next. Where do you want me to be? I come over here, and they fight me. I come over here, and they fight me. I come over here, and they fight me. And so he's looking for a place. Because why? Sometimes that's the way it goes when God speaks it might feel like every step of the way is just a battle. You want to walk in blessing, but everything just seems hard right now. Boy, can we relate to this as a church looking for a new facility? God, you spoke and we did what you said. It seemed like you just had everything under control. But then we took a U-turn. It took a, took a curve. Took a, I thought we were getting off on exit 39. We got off on 32. Everything seems hard. There's battles going on. We're trying to see what you want us to do. Lead and guide us, Lord. But then in the middle of our story, God speaks again. Genesis 26, 23, from there, Isaac moved to Beersheba, where the Lord appeared to him on the night of his arrival. And God says, I am the God of your father, Abraham. Do not be afraid, for I am with you and will bless you. And I will multiply your descendants They will become a great nation. I will do this because of my promise to Abraham, my servant. We read this passage. If you've been in church, you might have heard this, read this yourself. We kind of glaze over, fly through it. But if you stop and go put yourself in, Abraham, in Isaac's shoes in the middle of a famine, fighting's going on, you're blessed on one hand, but everything seems hard. And you're going, God, where are you? Where am I? Where do I fit? What do you want me to do this journey? There's blessing, but then there's difficulties. There's, there's this, this blessing, but then there's challenges. W- what am I supposed to be doing? doing here? And he goes to Beersheba, and God says, hey, let me remind you. I'm with you. I am with you. I'm walking right beside you. And you know what? I got my eyes on you. I got my eyes on your kids, because sometimes when you're trying to serve God, it's not even worrying about your own situation. It's worrying about your kids. And God says, hang on. I got you. I got your kids. Matter of fact, your next several generations. I, got my, I, I, I have made a promise, and I am with you. And he reminds them. And sometimes, this is us. We just got to get alone with God again and just have him remind us, you know what? I'm still with you. I remember everything that I promised you. I have not forgotten. I am with you. Right. Amen. I just feel like God is wanting to remind somebody, in person or online, Again, probably not everybody. If you're doing fine, life's great. It's going exactly like you planned it out. And today, everything's going just how you planned. Yesterday went just how you planned. And you're just like, man, life is good. I'm walking in the mountaintop. This probably ain't going to be a real impacting for you. But when you hit the next season, you can come back and watch this message because it'll be archived. But for the person who says, man... I ain't heard God's voice in a minute. I'm in the middle of a, of a desert. I'm in the middle of, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm living through a famine right now. And I just want, I just feel like God wants to just stop everything right now and tell you, I'm, I'm with you. I have not forgotten what I said. I haven't lost track or forgot my promises. My eye is on you. It's on your children and I'm there. Isaiah 41.10, it says, fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Hear the words. Let this be to you. This is not just Isaiah in the Old Testament. No, this is a word for you. He says, yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Church, don't be discouraged today. Joshua 1.9, have not I commanded thee, be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. Don't be discouraged today. I want you to see something else today. You know, you look at, back at the, even before this, at the story of Noah's ark. God tells Noah to build an ark, and when the, their family, and he says, you know, build the ark, get your family on the ark. They needed to respond for righteousness. They needed to uh, stand for righteousness, obey. They needed to respond, and they did that. They built the ark. The family gets on the ark. Noah gets on, his kids, their spouses. But check out as they go onto this boat to escape destruction. Genesis 7 one says, the Lord said to Noah, come thou, all that are In thy house, into the ark, for thee have I seen righteousness before me in this generation. Noah, it's time. Get in this boat. Get the family. Get on here. Let's go. Verse 5 says, Noah did according unto all the Lord commanded him, which we find a pattern of salvation all through scripture. I just talked about Abraham. I talked about Isaac. We're talking about Noah. Noah. People a lot of times in religious circles will say just believe and you're saved. But that's not a scriptural, that is not a scriptural concept. Not in the Old Testament, not in the New Testament. Anytime anyone believed something, there was action, there was response. That doesn't mean their works earned them salvation, but that means that their works was obedience. It was a response to God's invitation of grace. So God's grace says, here's the plan. Faith says, I'm going to either respond, I either believe or I don't believe. I'm either going to commit to this or I'm not going to. And when you have men, it's more than, faith is more than men. Mental ascent. It's more than just like, you know what, I think that's a good idea, and now I'm saved. I just repeat this prayer, and I'm saved. No, we don't see that in Scripture. Anytime someone was saved, this ark was their salvation. So God says, I'm going to destroy the earth with a flood. You better build the boat, and then you better get on the boat. That was God's grace, and then Noah had to say, yes, it's faith, I believe, or no, I don't. But even when he believes, he needed to do something about it. If he would have said, yeah, I believe the worldwide flood's coming, and told everyone about it, and not the boat, he would have died. Kind of like we can sit in church and say, I believe in Jesus. The cross, Calvary, yep, I thank you for your grace. I believe, but if we don't respond to his plan, we're not saved. And so scripturally, he says, you know what, I, I got I to get out and build a boat. I got to do everything according to the pattern that you have shown me is what scripture says. So he does that. And then Genesis seven twenty four, and the floodwaters covered the earth for 150 days. But God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and livestock with him in the boat. He sent a wind to blow across the earth and the floodwaters began to recede. So Noah, I want you to see this, was in the middle of a flood, middle of a flood. You remember in God said to him in Genesis 7-1, the Lord said to Noah, boom, speaks to Noah. We go down into the next chapter of Genesis chapter 8, and at the end of that, he's, uh, it says 150 days, they're in the middle of a flood. And in that whole time, from Genesis 7, 1 to 8, 1, never once do we see God speak to Noah. Wait a minute. He said a flood's coming, gave him grace, told him what to do, gave him the pattern. He obeys, Noah gets on the boat, and then the flood rains start, which it had, to understanding it had never rained before. Okay? A mist came up from the earth, it says. And so now all of a sudden a flood's coming. Beginning of time, Genesis, it's not, it's not raining. They, they ain't never seen no worldwide flood. All of a sudden now torrential downpour starts. What? You, I think that's a little bit freaky. You ever been in a really, really bad storm? We live in Missouri. Like, I mean, like, it might be storming by the time I'm done with this sermon. It's not going to be that long. I'm just kidding. But imagine they're in the middle of this man-made boat. (laughs) I wonder if Noah's wife was like, honey, are you sure you know how to do this? You ever work on a project and your wife says, you sure you know how to do this? That's really encouraging to us. We really feel good when you ask that question. We're not going to tell you. We, even if we're not, we're going to be like, I have no clue what I'm doing. We're going to be like, yeah, oh, uh, pull up YouTube, you know. So here, he's on this man-made boat. All these different animals are on there. It's got his family on there. They're putting all their eggs in this one basket called an ark. And here it is. Well, thank God, all right. Rain starts, Whoa. All of a sudden, it starts to gather, starts to raise, and all of a sudden, it raises the boat up, the boat starts to float, and you're like, whew, okay, step one, we floating, (laughs) thank God. I mean, this is real stuff, you know what I'm saying? Like, think through this process, standing over the edge, and like, go inside, it's raining. (laughs) He probably sent the kids inside, and Noah was like, oh God, let this thing float, let this thing float. And so they're sitting there. And the rains are coming. People are dying. People are crying out, screaming out, dying right out next to the boat. And that boat's just sailing and. I'm wondering if he's like, God, are you still there? I ain't heard from you in a minute. It's been 150 days at least. You spoke to me and told me to come in here, right? I mean, this is, this is the salvation. This is what you called me to, right? God, are you there? Hey, God. God, I know I've asked this the last several days, but man, we're going on like four months here. Am I still doing what you called me to do? God, why aren't you speaking to me? God, where's your voice? I need, I need to hear something right now. I'm in the middle of a a storm that's unlike any storm I've ever been in. I've got to hear your voice right now, God. I think this is where you told me to go. I think this is what you told me to do. You spoke to me, but now the floods start, and I'm in a battle for my life, and you're silent. Where are you? God, God, I know I keep asking, but it's been 150-plus days now, and you're not speaking. The beginning of the eighth chapter tells us when we look at 8:1, Genesis 8:1, but it, it doesn't say God spoke. But it says God remembered them. We still don't have God speaking. But he had not yet spoken. He remembered them. There will be times in your journey when God has spoken to you. He's given you a promise. And then you enter a season of silence. uncomfortable with silence especially in socially unacceptable settings when someone's standing in a pulpit with a microphone and everyone's staring facing forward watching this person it almost gets awkward going gone and this is what you're getting Hey God, you're not supposed to call me here and then leave me in silence. <laughs> God, didn't you know this is not supposed to happen this way? And it's usually in the silence that we start trying to explain to God how to be a good God. And all of a sudden, something around you might be death, destruction, floods, and famines. You know, sometimes we just need to remember, hey, if God has spoken to me once, I will cling. I will cling to that word, even in the present silence, because in His word, He's never spoken a word that has not come to pass. And so, my faith. Remain strong in the word of God. And we have the word of God that we call the Bible, but I'm talking even just about the word that he gave you. That you might be in the middle of the famine, the destruction, death, the flood, the storm. And it's at moments like that that you go... God, I don't know where you are. It's been over 150 days. I've tried so hard to do what you told me to do. And I feel like I'm just out here by myself. And maybe it's in those times that you're frustrated. You're going, God, don't you know, if you want to be a good God, this is what I want you to do. And he's going. But even in the midst of the silence, he remembers you. He remembers you. And after the flood goes on for like 10 months, Noah gets off the boat, and guess what happens in Genesis 8:15. It doesn't even matter what he says. I'm not even reading the next verse. God just spoke. It's like 10 months of, of God. You told me to do this. I went, I tried to do everything you said. I went on this boat. I've done it. I've prepared. I got my family on the boat. I've, I've just been on pins and needles. I'm just struggling. I'm nervous. I'm living in anxiety. I, I'm trying to cling to your word, but, but where's the next word? Where? And where, in, 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 in those moments when you're waiting for the next word, sometimes you just got to cling to the word you've already got. Don't always just be looking for the next word. If he's given you a word, cling to that word. And so it's, oh, 10 months, what am I supposed to do? And then he gets off the boat and God speaks to Noah. Doesn't matter what he says, but it was just, imagine what that would have felt like. Sometimes we take that for granted. We get to walk in every service and wow, God's speaking and God's moving. He's speaking in the pulpit, speaking in the songs, speaking to the prayer meeting. But if God takes you through a season of silence, guess what happens on the backside of that season of silence? When He speaks again, there's just something in you that goes, oh, I ain't taking it for granted anymore. It's been a minute since I've heard the voice of God. And I just value, I treasure the fact that He's once again speaking to me. And so God speaks to Noah. He remembered Noah, but even when he was not speaking to Noah, he was still remembering him. He will remember you, church, when you're in the middle of something. Even when it looks like the storm, the famine, the destruction, the death, everything's chaotic around you. Cling to the word he gave you, because even if he's not speaking right now, he will remember don't be discouraged and Genesis 9:28 says Noah lived another 350 years after the great flood. I say that I read that passage just to tell you one thing. Never forget that there's still life after the storm. There's still life to be lived. We think Noah, ark, okay, that's it. No, no, no. There's still life after the storm. You might be in the middle of a storm going, is this it? Is this? No, no, no. This is just the precursor to the rest of the life and the things that he has for you. You see, you look what the Apostle Paul said about Abraham in Romans four eighteen to 21, because his, 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 his reputation His story lives on. And it says in verse 18, even when there was no reason for hope, anybody here today, you don't have to raise your hand, but anybody here or watching online that say, man, I'll tell you what, right now, in this season of my life, what I'm doing right here, there's not too much reason for any hope. I'm not really clinging to a lot right now, not feeling like I'm worthy of a lot right now. There's just not a lot of hope. Paul says, "Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham just kept hoping. That's why our vision here is experience hope, offer hope, because hope is the whole point of our mess. If we ever lose hope, that will kill us physically, mentally, emotionally, socially, spiritually. But he says, "Now I'm going to keep hoping. Because he was believing that he would become the father of many nations. Why? Why would he believe something so crazy? Because God said it. God said it, and then he goes like 25 years going, "Where am I going? what am I supposed to do?" And I thought you didn't you say, matter of fact, I'm going to try and figure something out on a way to make it happen myself. Oh that was a bad idea. And so he just keeps going. 25 years of, all right, I thought, man, I could have swore I heard from God. I've been trying to walk this way. I've been trying to do this. And and, and man, I just just hope, all I can do is hope that maybe what he said will still come to pass. So even when things looked hopeless and and time went by, Abraham was like, I'm going to keep hoping. And Paul writes about it thousands of years later. He says, that guy kept hoping. Why? Because God said it. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead, and so was Sarah's womb. But Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, Paul says, his faith grew stronger, and in this, he brought glory to God. You want to bring glory to God? Don't just have faith in Him when you're at the mountaintop. Don't just have faith in Him when your feet are on sand solid ground. Have faith in the famine. Have faith in the flood. Have faith when everything around you doesn't look like there's a whole lot to hope for. But when I can look around and go, hey, I'm not looking at the water. I'm not looking at the destruction. I'm not looking at the famine. What I'm looking at is the fact that I serve the God who knows all things. He does all things well. He holds all things in his hand. So I'm going to choose to put my faith in his word, not on my circumstance, not on the way things look, not on the hopelessness around me, not on the naysayers. I'm saying, God, if you spoke it, then I'm going to continue to cling to it. I don't care if it's been 10 years 20 years maybe we'll be like Abraham maybe 25 years from now we'll still be in this church man I hope not but you know what we're not going to sit here and go oh my faith is just dwindling we're going to say let my faith grow stronger you spoke it God and so if you spoke it I'm going to cling to your word And so he never wavered. His faith grew stronger. Verse 21 he was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. And that's what it comes down to. We're all going to have circumstances. Leave that passage there. We're all going to have situations. We're all going to have floods and famines and different things that happen in our lives. There are going to be times when your faith is tested. When you're going, man, did I do what's right? God, are you here? Where are you at? Am I doing the right thing? Where am I supposed to go? God, are you? still there. Where, what, what's going on here? And what it comes down to is whether you will live in anxiety or fear or whether, whether you will live as an overcomer. And in faith comes down to this passage right here. Do you believe that God is able to do what he said he would do? That's it that's what it comes down to. It does not matter how much money's in your bank, the car you drive, the place you work, where you're at in ministry. If you say, hang on a second, it does not matter. What matters is, I'm going to get my face in the Word of God. And His Word stands forever. And if He spoke that in His Word, then that's going to be a faith builder for me, because I know my God can always do what He said He would do. I Know that my God, if He spoke it, it will come to pass. Too often in humanity, we're stuck in the circumstance. We're looking at the flood. We're looking at the destruction. We're worried about the famine. And God's going, What does it matter? I'm big enough that you can plant seed in a famine, and I won't only give you a return, I'll give you a hundredfold return. Because you've got to understand something today that God is the one who's in control. God is a man of his word. If he spoke it, it will come to pass. It's time to cling to that word. Just like the song that we sing here I won't be discouraged. Even when I'm discouraged, I'll remind my soul of all you've done for me. I won't be distracted. Even in the distraction, I will trust the one who's greater than the storm, because I don't need another reason. I don't need more convincing. The same God who made a way is the same God who's here today. And even in my darkest moment, this will be the truth I'm holding. The same God who made a way is the same God who's here today. Hey, hey. We just sang this song, but I think, we, I think sometimes we sing songs and we just know the melody, and it's, oh, this is a good one. I like this one. Now, no, pay attention to the words. I won't be shaken even when I'm shaking. Having done all I can do, I still will stand. And I will worship. Yes, I will worship. I will face whatever comes with lifted hands. How can you do that? I'll tell you why. I don't need another reason. I don't need more convincing. The same God who made a way is the same God who's here today. Even in my darkest moments, this will be the truth I'm holding. The same God who made a way is the same God who's here today. These altars are open. Right now, these altars are open. We need to cling to a God. like Abraham, keep hoping, never waver, cling to God's promises. As Brother Kirby told me recently, not all mountains are meant to be cast into the sea. Some mountains are meant to be climbed. How How can we do this when the opposition is screaming? We can do it because like Abraham, we can go. I am fully convinced that God can do whatever he promises to do. If God spoke to me, me. I'm gonna cling to it. I'm not asking about your situation today. I'm asking about your God. I'm
1: not asking about I what God's not speaking. I'm asking about what he has spoken. The same God who made away is the same God who's here today. Even in my darkest moments, this will be the truth I'm holding the same God who made a way is the same God who's He's here, here right today. now. He's here right now. No if reason, he's spoken to you, cling to that word. I don't need more The same God who made a way is the same God who's here today. Even in my darkest moments, this will be the truth I'm holding. The same God who made a way Is the same God who's here today I cling to you, Jesus I'm not looking at my circumstance
0: I'm not worried about my situation God, you spoke Lord, you have it all in
1: your hands You have control Even when I'm shaken Having done all I can do I